Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, that was a weekend. I knew it was going to be a crazy weekend when it started with the Padres throwing a no-hitter Friday night. Yeah, so the San Diego Padres have gone 53 years without a no-hitter, and to get it thrown by a guy who went to Grossmont High School? I went to Valhalla. They're in the same league. They're not far apart. And they were close enough, actually, that my school was a brand-new school, and they ran out of money when they were building it. So they, they knew they could either build swimming pools or a gymnasium. Well, they figured if we build the swimming pools, later on we can go back and say, well, we got to have a gym. you got to give us money for a gym. But they'd never be able to go back and say, well, you got to give us money for swimming pools. So they built the swimming pools. And we ended up with a good swim team and a great water polo team. They didn't build a gym. My freshman team literally practiced outdoors. The JV and the varsity practice in Grossmont High's old gym. We were close enough to go to Grossmont and use, they had two gyms there because they were, you know, the school was 80 years old. So, uh, yeah, I've been on the Grossmont campus a few times, and now a Grossmont uh, foothiller has thrown a no-hitter in the major league. So that took a little more than 8,000 games for the Padres to pull that off. Good to be off that list. All these expansion teams that came in later, Tampa Bay and, well, actually, Seattle and Toronto. (laughs) Tampa Bay later, Arizona, Colorado, and they all, oh, my gosh. Well, good to get that. Maybe it's a sign of things to come. They had a good weekend. so. But that kind of kicked things off. The Masters, uh, I was really entertained Saturday when, uh, when uh, Matsuyama just went berserk on the back nine and blew the thing open and had the four-shot lead, pushed it up to five at the turn, actually led by six briefly on the back nine, and then it got tense. I mean, the, the Masters just never disappoints. And at six, you really thought, well, he's just going to cruise home. What's the point? Uh, but, hey, one guy puts up a string of birdies, you dump the ball in the water, and it's on. Give credit to Matsuyama, though. He found a way to uh, pull it out. Xander Shoffley dumped one in the water at 16, and that pretty much drained the drama out of it. So Matsuyama carrying uh, you know, the hopes of a nation on his shoulders, and Japan now has their first major champion in golf. Uh, on the men's side, they've had it on the women's side, but on the men's side. So that was pretty cool. And then you got the Utah Jazz. And we'll get to the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. Uh, the Jazz beat the Sacramento Kings. It was another eh, first half. Not enough defense. 30 point quarters, 60 point halves, 65 actually. They're down 65 59. And on the one hand, it doesn't really matter because they're good enough to come back and win the game. But I think at the. Uh, you know, if you really want to be a stickler, and if you're a coach and you're getting paid to be the stickler, you know, I think Quinn just wants him to step on the court and do things the right way. Not because they have to, but because it's just automatic. The playoffs are going to be so hard. The West is so deep that, and if you get out of the West, then the finals will be hard as well. So you're just looking at so many hard playoff games and so many difficult playoff series that he just wants things, doing things the right way to be automatic. Not that you have to think about it and make an effort to do things the right way, which is what the Jazz frequently have to do against teams in the bottom half of the league and Sacramento's in the bottom half of the league. Now, the fact is they came out and put an 8-0 run on them, but they did kind of mess around. And, you know, they they taken control. They had a really good third quarter. And they taken control, but at the start of the fourth quarter, Sacramento went on a big run. They, they went on like an 11-0 run and took the lead 198. You know, you really haven't given yourself much room here, guys. But Joe Ingles got mad, and somebody said something to him. And he won't repeat what it was or who it was, because he's saving it for his radio show. 
Probably not, but I wish. Um, <clears throat> I think it was De'Aaron Fox. That was they caught a you know the two of them having a conversation on camera. Now it could have been anything else. Joe routinely chirps at the opposing bench, sometimes in fun, sometimes with a little bit more of an edge. Um, it could have been anything. Uh, Fox is the obvious guess. So, but whatever it was, it got him going. And you know, if Michael Jordan can do it, well, then I guess if it works for him, it can work for anybody else. You know, Jordan would always find someone who irritated him, as we found out in the documentary. Uh, you know, he'd even make it up if he had to. So Joe found someone who irritated him, and he went for 20. Um, they were shorthanded, and they're going to be shorthanded again tonight. They're going to be more shorthanded tonight because it looks like um, the ongoing hamstring issues, managing those, that Conley won't play back-to-back. And Clarkson's out. So bigger role for Joe tonight, and then presumably they'll have Conley back on Tuesday. Don't know about Clarkson. He's missed three games now. And... You know, you'd like to be the one seed, but the most important thing is to have your whole team healthy for the playoffs. And, uh, they, you know, the, the cool thing about this is that, um, you know, Clarkson for six million a year, but Joe's pretty good in that conversation himself. So it's a real luxury for the Jazz. We'll probably see more Mieoni. That seems like a foregone conclusion. And then they'll probably have to go down a little deeper and put somebody else in the rotation. And, you know, they went out and got Ilya Silva, or maybe it's one of the other young guys they've been grooming. Um, you know, we'll have to see. There's several options out there. Uh, we'll have to see how they play it. They got enough guys who play multiple positions, um, aside from Rudy and Favors. But the other four positions, you got guys who play multiple positions, so they can really do whatever they want and kind of move combinations of guys around. So we'll see what Quinn does there. Um, for the Jazz now, it's just uh, line them up and knock them down. And these teams coming in are not as good as you. And the Jazz should be favored. They got three more games in this homestand. It'll be the Wizards tonight. Um, it's the Thunder tomorrow. And then Friday, Saturday, they have a pair of matinees. It's very unusual. They're going to play Friday and Saturday afternoon. Saturday starts um, the Lakers two-game set. is Saturday and Monday in L.A. So it doesn't look like the Lakers are going to have their guys back. Um, but, hey, the Lakers without their guys beat the Brooklyn Nets Saturday night. So that was a little surprising. Gave the Lakers, because Portland lost last night, Lakers now with a two-game cushion. And are they going to drop to six? Can they get back up to three? Uh, basically, can they get out of the four or five series so they don't have to play, the Jazz don't have to play them in the second round? Put them on the other side of the bracket with the, the, the Suns, Clippers, Lakers, if the Lakers drop to six, could all go to the other side of the bracket. But that still leaves the Nuggets on your side of the bracket. And they looked great yesterday until they gave up a 31-3 run to the Celtics. That was horrific. <laughs> How do you give up a 33-1? They got outscored 31-8 to in the fourth quarter. And lost to the Celtics. Bizarro game. All right, we got to take a break. The other thing that happened this weekend, the Utes. The University of Utah with a scrimmage. Kyle Whittingham speaking with the media. You'll hear from him next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utes had a scrimmage behind closed doors. We know very little of what happened, but Kyle did talk a little bit about it. So we'll let you listen in as he pumps up all of the quarterbacks, one in particular, but all of them. Here's Kyle Whittingham on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 
really good ending to the week. Uh, it's practice 12, uh, big scrimmage, um, very similar to last week, more situational than it was last week. We hit virtually every situation uh, in this scrimmage today. Uh, not quite as extensive as last week, but almost. I think it was about 115, 120 snaps, which uh, maybe a dozen or so less than last week. But uh, good work. Uh, plenty of special teams work in addition to, to offense, defense. But like I said, we hit uh, virtually every aspect backed up, two minute, four minute, uh, high red, low red, short yardage. Uh, we, we had it all. And so uh, much better tempo this week by the offense. Last week, one of the things that was a negative uh, was the tempo of the offense. Too slow, getting in out of the huddle, uh, pressing the play clock too often. So much, much better in that regard this week. Um, did turn the ball over a couple times this week or today offensively, which bad for the O, good for the D. Uh, some good work in the red zone. Uh, defense came up with a heck of a goal line stand in one of the series. Uh, a lot of production by the offense. Much better job throwing the football today than last week. And uh, it wasn't bad last week, but it was it was very good this week. Guys making plays. Uh, Charlie Brewer did a nice job putting the ball where it needed to be. And we saw some progress out of the other four quarterbacks as well. Everyone's taking a step forward. Uh, collectively as a team, which has to happen. Uh, now we got three practices next week, full gear on Tuesday, physical physical practice, uh, no pads on Thursday, and then we'll culminate with the spring ball or the spring game on Saturday at noon, and uh, that'll be a wrap. And then we'll be getting ready for uh, the uh, summer conditioning, which starts June 1. So that's where we're at. And uh, go ahead and ask questions. First up will be John Kuhn with AP, followed by Trevor Allen with KSL Sports. Kyle, you've talked about it at different points this spring. You said John Candy, did you? <laughs> no, John Candy. Oh, no, he's, he's long gone. KSL Sports, and we'll come back to you, John. Can't hear Trevor. Oh, hey, Coach. Um, I just you got technical difficulties, guys. Can you hear me, Coach? Can you guys hear me? Went to an REL Speedwagon concert one time with technical difficulties. It was miserable. Can you guys hear me? Did they even have the opening statement? <laughs> they did not. There's nothing, nothing valuable. Off of here. Okay. All right, we're going to go back to John. Can you put closer to me? Yeah. Okay. Can you, can you hear me? Yes, if you speak up, I got you. Okay. Kyle, uh, you, you've mentioned a couple of times this spring uh, Brewer's progression at quarterback. Um, what has really keyed his progression? What's allowed him to just hit the ground running and, and really grasp the playbook so quickly in, in uh, Utah? Well, first and foremost, I would say that uh, all those preps he had in the, in the Big 12 – were prepping him for, you know, when he got here. I mean, he's he's a guy that's uh, played so much football at this level. Uh, as far as being able to digest the offense, he's done an outstanding job of, of uh, studying on his own time, which all great quarterbacks do. There's not a quarterback worth of salt that doesn't spend a ton of time outside of the structured meeting times uh, on his own. Uh, getting getting schooled up and watching extra film and all that type of stuff. So he does all the little things that uh, make a difference uh, between being 
uh, just average or being really good. And so he's he's uh, paid that price, and it didn't start during spring ball. He was from the day he set foot on campus. He's been in that playbook and in the film room, and and uh, what you see out on the field. I guess you don't see it, but what we see out on the field is a product of uh, all that hard work. Next question will come from Trevor Allen with KSL Sports, followed by Cole Bagley with Utah Daily Chronicle. Kyle, you it sounded like the, the defense had a really good scrimmage today. If, from what it sounds like, who who has stood out in, in today's scrimmage? Okay, we had a bunch of guys making plays. Uh, Clark Phillips had a nice interception, made some, made some big plays. Uh, the defensive front was physical uh, from start to finish. Um, trying to think specifically in the back end, Zamaya Vaughn made a couple of real nice plays. He's, he's adjusting to that corner spot, uh, moving from safety. Um, Devin Lloyd was all over the place, as always. He's, he's a guy that makes a ton of plays every, every practice. Uh, we weren't uh, with Mika Tafua. He had a little minor injury that kept him out today. Um, but overall, a lot, a lot of good play uh, by the defense overall. Maybe didn't tackle uh, quite as well as we did last week, but uh, we did create some takeaways on that side of the ball. And like I said, I had, we had that nice goal line stand. And uh, just overall, uh, a good effort and good hustle, uh, good uh, mentality by our defense today. The next question will come from Cole Bagley, followed by Josh Newman with the Sully Tribune. Kyle, I'm curious, what was what were your um, initial thoughts and reactions when Jalen Dixon uh, came back from the transfer portal? Well, first of all, I had to understand why and what the, what the scenario was. Uh, he was a heck of a football player. He had to mention to our to our receiving core that uh, that we don't uh, you know no, nobody has too much speed, and, and he gives us a lot of speed at that position. He, he takes the top off the coverages, but uh, my first inclination was. Okay, let's listen to what he had to say, and, and it all made sense. And and then uh, obviously, you know, very excited after that that he was coming back for the right reasons because he's a heck of a football player and made a lot of plays for us over the course of the last few years. And so, uh, but first we had to understand because typically when you go in the portal, you're going elsewhere. But uh, he uh, had a very thoughtful. I had a thoughtful conversation with him. He gave me some some some. Uh, good background and feedback on what was going on in his life. And uh, it was a no brainer for me, took it to the leadership council. They felt the same way. And so he has uh, been reinstated, obviously. And then just a quick follow up. How has Next he been performing? Come from Josh Newman, followed by Steve Bartle with the Ute Zone. Got Kyle, how you doing? Oh, there we go. We're doing good. Thank you. Sorry about that. I couldn't hit the button. Um, uh, between yourself and the coaching staff, you know, from week one to week two, scrimmage one to scrimmage two, how does your mindset change in terms of what you're looking to see or what you're hoping to see? Well, first of all, we're hoping to see a cleaner execution on offense, uh, more, uh, just more uh, efficiency, uh, fewer mental mistakes, which we definitely did today. The mental mistakes were way down. And if you're going to make mistakes, make new ones. Don't make the same mistakes over and over. You, know, you got to learn from what you do wrong. And, and uh, you know, if you continue with that mentality, making corrections, eventually you run out of mistakes to make and you, and you start playing some good football. And so what we needed to see was, uh, was just that. The tempo I mentioned was not good in the first scrimmage, was really good in the second scrimmage. Uh, came out of it healthy, which is another huge plus. But uh, we just took another big step forward as a, as a football team. 
uh, between scrimmage one and scrimmage two, which would have been week two to week three, uh, or excuse me, week three to week four. And uh, we need to do that again this week. There's still things that we got to get better at. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we've got three opportunities on the field to do it and three opportunities in the film room to get things corrected. And so we've got to keep moving, forging ahead and moving forward. This team has a, a really good attitude, a really good work ethic, uh, outstanding leadership. And, uh, you know, right now it's just a matter of getting, continuing to get better at, uh, at what we're doing. There really is no huge glaring deficiency at this point. Our next question will come from Steve Bartle with Zone, followed by Trevor Allen. Coach, I'm, I'm curious with the offensive line, are you, I guess, seeing the, the progress, the chemistry developing uh, the way you, uh, you hope to coming into spring ball? We've seen some of that. It hasn't been uh, the point of emphasis with the offensive line. The point of emphasis with the offensive line and every other position is for every player to get better fundamentally and technique-wise, and we have definitely seen that. We've done a lot of cross-training with the O-line this spring, meaning guys play in different spots so they can play multiple spots if we get in a in a, a injury situation in the fall and are pressed into that. Now's the time to do that type of stuff. Starting day one of fall camp, that's the time for, for – or, you know, as, as quickly as you can, identify who those five starters are going to be and allow them to play together the vast majority of those first 25 practices. And we feel that's uh, an adequate amount of time to, to have that unit uh, gel. Same thing with the secondary. The two units uh, that really need to play together and, and really start to you know, think as one is the front on offense and the, and the secondary on defense. Those are the two units that need to get used to playing with each other next to each other. And uh, we feel like uh, we've got plenty of time to do that in the fall. And we have seen a little bit of that start this spring. But again, that was not the emphasis. Uh, it's not a schematic deal in spring for us. We're not trying to out-scheme each other offensively and defensively. We're trying to make each individual player better. If we can do that, then uh, we've got a more solid foundation and a better base to build from come, uh, come fall camp. Next question will come from Trevor Allen, followed by Cole Bagley. Kyle, uh, we, we had talked to Brant Keithy after we already talked to you on Thursday, and we, we asked him about why why he chose to come back instead of going to the NFL. And, and he ended up giving the, the same answer as Devin Lloyd, that he wanted to win a championship. And so for guys to to come back for a year for that common goal rather than going to the NFL, what does that say about your guys and also about the program? Well, it says we got a bunch of team guys that are they're hungry to uh, to win it all in the Pac-12, and we've been close, but we haven't got over that hump. That's no secret. We don't hide from that. But uh, you know, being in the league for the time we've been in, we've, we felt like we've made good progress from day one to where we are right now, a contender every year in the South, and hopefully uh, we get that breakthrough to to be able to uh, win the Pac-12 in its entirety. And it's a credit to those guys. Uh, to have that mentality. Also, that was not the only thing in the equation. You know, there's academics in the equation, get started on master's degrees and that type of thing. Also, uh, increasing your stock, your, your draft value. You know, your stock goes up. Uh, the more you play, we didn't have a full season last year. Everyone knows that. We had five games. And so I think every guy that made the decision to come back, which was every guy, uh, made the right decision. I really believe that. And it's not to say they're not good enough to play in the NFL. It's a matter of increasing your stock and the risks uh, were outweighed by the reward that is potentially there. There is risk in coming back. Everyone understands that. But uh, I think uh, when you put everything in the equation, they all definitely made the right decision. Final question will come from Cole Bagley. 
Hey, Coach, sorry, just going back to um, Jalen Dixon. I'm just curious, how has he been performing uh, thus far? Had his best scrimmage today. Well, his best practice today. Uh, it was only the second scrimmage. When you add everything up, the scrimmages, the practices, he made he made an impact today. Caught some balls, uh, did some really good things. And so I would say that he's uh, officially shaken all the rust off, and and uh, he's uh, playing good ball for us. And he will have a role for us uh, this fall, no question about it. He's uh, he's going to be in that rotation. There's Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, the best of the Jazz Post Game Show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. The Utah Jazz do it again. They win. They beat the Sacramento Kings. The five-game homestand has opened with a couple of wins. The middle game tonight with the Wizards, and then they play the Thunder tomorrow night, so they got a home back-to-back here. Uh, let's get to the best of the postgame show. Let you listen to the Jazz after they beat the Kings, and Joe got all riled up by somebody, and you'll hear him not want to talk about it while he eats a tortilla or something. I don't know, quesadilla? What is Joe eating? Talking with his mouth full on TV. All right, and on the radio. Here's the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Saturday night, the Jazz beat the Kings 128 to 112. Really took over in the second half, pulled away in the fourth quarter. 42 points from Donovan Mitchell. 26 from Mike Conley, including Red Hot in the fourth quarter. And Joe Ingles coming off the bench, 20 points. Six assists, three rebounds in 31 minutes. And apparently somebody said something to him on the floor that got him fired up. He uh, relayed that to Donovan. Donovan was fired up, and uh, they had a big-time second half of basketball and come away with win. Let's get some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hey, Coach. First up, we'll have Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn, just uh, wondering if you could kind of comment on how you felt about the first half defensive effort and then what, if anything, you thought changed post-half time. Well, you know, a couple of things we talked about. One was just transition defense, um, you know, which, you know, all of you guys know we've, we've emphasized a lot and emphasized it the beginning of the game and the other, you know, our communication defensively um, is crucial. And, you know, we, we had, you know, Royce had 14 rebounds. Rudy had 12 rebounds. Fave, you know, was terrific. You know, when they went small, um, blocking a couple shots, chasing off pin downs and some offensive rebounds. We, we had some guys really throw themselves into the defensive end. And, you know, when that happens, um, you know, good things happen. That, that's what we saw on the offensive end. And I, th- I think it was a function of our defense. The, um, the ball started moving. And so a lot of those things, I, I think our guys um, could feel as the game went on and, and got better at it. Just, just a quick follow-up. Um, you've mentioned several times in after recent games, you know, needing to discuss kind of improving the transition defense is it kind of a concern at this point that that becomes kind of a recurring thing 
Um, it, it's a concern f- from the standpoint that it's something that we just want to demand of ourselves. And, um, you know, I, I thought at the beginning of the game, you know, I mentioned this before, uh, all of a sudden you're, you're feeling Fox's speed. Um, but some of the breakdowns in transition are just communication. And, you know, that's something, you know, talking is a habit, um, you know, like running back and, you know, we want to crash the offensive glass when it's available because that's another way to impact transition defense. Um, but if not, it's not enough just to be back when someone's running the ball. You've got to be back and talking because, uh, you know, you may not have a matchup in transition. So it, it's, as I said, it's it, it's really important for us, um, you know, to set our half-court defense. And, you know, teams know that, you know, this is a smart league and, and teams will continue to try to run on us, so. I don't know how many times we turn the ball over tonight, but that's been a big key for us is taking care of the ball. Cause again, it's, it's difficult to defend against those plays too. Andy Larson's like Tribune. Quinn, I thought Joe came in, especially kind of second half and changed the game a little bit with his ability to shoot. And then also kind of tenacity defensively, kind of what did you see from him and uh, why did you choose to end the game with him in the, in that finishing lineup? Well, you know, Joe, I, th- I think in the first half, um, you know, did, it, did an excellent job. They were switching one through five pick and roll, and he was creating for other people. And, you know, a lot of times when you do that, you're the one that ends up, you know, with a shot. And our ability to trust each other offensively and move the ball, um, you know, when there isn't necessarily a clear purpose other than to share the ball. And, you know, that's something Joe was doing. And as you mentioned, I thought defensively, you know, he, he gave effort. And, um, you know, we, we've closed the game with, with different lineups. We've been, you know, as I said earlier, you know, our, our substitution patterns have, have been pretty consistent, but, you know, every game's different. You know, our, our team knows that. And, you know, tonight, you know, Joe had an opportunity to, to, to close. Last question, Ben Anderson, castlesports.com. Quinn, what did Sacramento do that uh, allowed them to hold Rudy Gobert to just two attempts? Well, it, it's a little bit when, when the ball sticks, um, you know, it's, it's easier for them to, to shift and really put bodies on him um, on the offensive glass. Um, but as far as the, the attempts go, when they're switching pick and roll one through five and they're just pulled in from the corners, um, you know, it, it's really congested. And that's where, you know, we had to find people. But, you know, Rudy's such a big part of what we do, as we know. He, you know, he impacts the game in so many ways. And, um, you know, I, I thought his ability without getting shots to keep his composure and some of the things that he did on the defensive end, we say that a lot. But I, I know our, you know, our guys are conscious of of getting, getting him touches and getting him the ball. Um, you know, oftentimes the game doesn't present it that way. I think tonight um, – you know, the more we move the ball, the, the more those opportunities are going to present themselves. And that's why our ball movement is so important because it involves everybody, um, including Rudy on whatever it's a lob or a drop off. Um, but we saw that, you know, our Dallas game, it, people are putting two bodies on them and they don't they don't want to leave them, which is all the more reason for us to, to really play with quick decisions and, you know, 0.5 reads and not shot fake and, you know, drive into a gap to, to get someone else a shot.
There's Coach Quinn Snyder. Uh, his team beat the Kings 128-112. to Let's move on to the players. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell. Yep. All right, Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Don, what was, uh, what was going on at the end there with uh, De'Aaron? Was that, who was he talking to and kind of what happened there? Oh, he was talking to the ref, you know, but Fox has been, you know, the game was over. Fox has been a friend of mine since high school, and there's no need to lose money over a situation like that, you know, and I just was being, you know, game's over, competition's over, so now it's, you know, it's my it's my guy. I'm going to make sure he doesn't, you know, lose money in that situation. It wasn't nothing towards us or anything, but, um, you know, I figured he would do the same for me, you know, and I think that's, that's what it was. You know, between the lines, it's war, but when I see that, you know, I'm kind of like, yo, like, it's an easy 15,000 lost. You might as well save that. Matt Cole's AP. Donovan, after your slow start uh, this game, what really got you going, especially in that second half? Um, I don't want to put Joe on the spot, but I am. Somebody said something to Joe, <laughs> uh, to be honest. And Joe gave an answer that I hadn't heard in a, uh, a while, and that just fired me up. You know, I, when Joe gets angry, I get angry. And, you know, you saw it. Like, he was coming down cashing in you know y'all probably ask him and he probably won't say what it was and I won't either but you know that's that's really what turned the tide for myself personally you know as far as a team you know I think the biggest thing was we just found a way to win you know like it was it was ugly you know we didn't, I didn't shoot the ball well we did made a few mistakes defensively a bunch of mistakes defensively offensively we were kind of stagnant but you know the team that we want to be in July wins games like this, you know, perseveres through, you know, the struggles, perseveres through whatever. And it's been a long week and we could have easily chalked it up when they went up to it and said, ah, it's not us. It's not our night, but you know, the team we want to be wins a game like this. And we did, you know, and now we can go back and look and fix little things that we'll see and go from there. But uh, I'm proud of the way we all competed tonight, you know, cause like I said, after the week we had, it could have been easy to just be like, all right, we're tired today and kind of keep it pushing. But, you know, we went out there and fought and, and competed. And credit to SAC, too, uh, for their relentlessness as well. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Don. So after the last few games, Quinn's kind of brought up the communication, the lack of communication in terms of transition defense. Is that kind of becoming a problem area? The, and and not just transition, I guess, defensively overall. Is that something that's uh, still something that you guys need to work on? I wouldn't say it's a it's a problem. I think it's something that needs to be addressed. I think it's something, and I don't think it needs to be addressed, maybe not necessarily through going through it physically in practice. I think it's the biggest thing is just keeping that on the forefront of our brain. You know, you look at like, we almost lost this game due to transition. You know, you look at how we lost Phoenix. Um, I wouldn't say it's the only reason, but it was a big reason was we lost offense rebounding. And then we played Portland and we, we kicked their butts on the boards. Like, you know, for us, we got to keep that in our brain because at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to go against our half court offense defense either. You know, we're, we're pretty good in that realm. So for us, we got to understand that that's what teams want to do. Just like we want to run teams want to run and we got to make it an emphasis to talk, not run back to our man, not jog. And it, it takes a mental, it takes mental effort, you know, and it's, it's tough when you're not making shots, but that's when you got to dial in even more um, and, and communicate it and just find guys. And we know, Fox is going to go out there and just try and attack downhill and find guys. And he did a good job of that tonight. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for us is to, you know, thank God it's April, you know, and we can fix this, but we understand that, look, like this is going to be something that we're going to see because teams don't want to necessarily go against us in the half court. 
you know, and I think that's something that we've got to be keep on the forefront of our brain and continue to work on. Andy Larson, Sully Tribune. A couple of questions. One, Donovan, you've averaged 40 points a game over the last three games. What is it that's kind of clicking from you for to be so aggressive that, as you have been? Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is watching, like just kind of picking my spots, um, going about, you know, and, and, and honestly, I feel like a lot of the shots that I'm taking now outside of tonight, you know, I mean, they, they went in when they counted, but, you know, the biggest thing is getting to the free throw line, seeing the ball go in, picking my spots, choosing my spots and just continue to work the reps, you know, trusting my work, you know, there's shots that I've been working on all year, all summer. And, and now they're really just starting to fall. You know, I think that's really it, you know, just a mindset of just being in attack mode, but also being able to find guys. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've been really locked in on. And, you know, my teammates trust me, you know, and I think it's, it's my responsibility with that. With that comes, you know, a great responsibility as far as playmaking and scoring. And, you know, I'm just trying to do the best that I can and continue to build um, and find ways to get better and better. There's Donovan Mitchell. 42 points from Donovan. Uh, talked a little bit about uh, Joe Ingles uh, being angry. He said when Joe is angry, Donovan is angry. And uh, they played like it in the second half for sure. Let's now hear from George Niang. All right. We'll start with Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. George, I'm curious. This seemed like a game where there was more talk between you guys and the Kings bench or some of the Kings players on the court. What happened and how did, yeah, I guess how did it unfold? Um, that's a good question. Sometimes you come into a game and when a team uh, kicks you in the mouth to start 12-1, I mean, you got to find something to kind of get your juices going. They were feeling confident, you know, and we kind of wanted to take their confidence away. So sometimes, you know, within the heat of the game, you just get to John back and forth. And that's just kind of what led to that. And, you know, they were feeling high, you know, being up 12-1 and, we didn't like how that felt. So, you know, we let them hear about it. They're a great team. They're a good team. Um, you know, they're battling. Um, but they definitely came out with a sense of urgency, definitely more than us to start the game. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Uh, George, what do you guys miss when Jordan Clarkson's not in the lineup, especially there in the, in the second unit that you play so much with? A barrage of points, like just out of nowhere. Um, you know, I think we miss Jordan just for the sense of, you know, he's a guy that, you know, literally throw the ball to him and he makes something happen. He's making other teams over help, drawing two defenders. Um, and what was unique tonight about Sacramento is, you know, they switched one through five. And uh, so, you know, we needed to find new ways to get closeouts and get our so-called uh, blender going and getting their guys in rotation and uh, once we did you know when it rains it pours for us so that's kind of you know what we're holding our hat on with with deep defending and, and slowing teams down with having a, I think it was a 23 and a 24 point quarter in the second half is you know sticking to that and eventually our shots will fall and we'll start getting them in rotations and you know take the lead Eric Walden Salt Lake Tribune Hey, George, two questions. Uh, first off, just what does it feel like when you guys have had, you know, a three-game stretch of not shooting the ball particularly well and then finally starting to see them kind of going in bunches, you know, yourself especially? Yeah, uh, you know, I wish I had, like, a good, like, one-liner for what it feels like. Um, it just doesn't feel good, you know. It's like waking up with a migraine. It's like, oh, here we go again, 
you know, and, you know, it's, it feels good to see the ball go in, especially for a lot of guys that do more for us than just shoot, you know, um, you know, Royce may not be shooting the ball as, as well as he's capable of, but he's impacting the game in so many other ways. Uh, you know, with his defense, he had 14 rebounds tonight. Um, you know, to see the ball go in more for Joe, you know, even even Mike. Um, I think, like I've said this before, you know, when you have happiness for other guys and their success, you know, it, it's really a wonderful thing. And I think that's what this team has. Uh, so to answer your question, it sucked not seeing the ball in. It also sucked losing. But we also know that, you know, that's how teams are going to guard us. And we're going to need to, you know, make plays in other areas if shots aren't falling for us to win games, like I said, especially in the playoffs. And uh, secondly, Rashawn Holmes had, an, had a pretty incredible first half, 21 points, eight for eight. You guys seemed like kind of more, far more ratchet locked in on the interior defensively in the second half. What changed from your perspective? I think we just had more of a sense of urgency. Um, you know, once we started, you know, making guys miss rather than, you know, being there and hoping that they miss, uh, good things happen to us. I mean, let's not get this misconstrued. I mean, Rudy is the defensive player of the year and he's going to get people's best game every night. So for him to have 21 points at half and I don't know, what do you end with? 25? Yeah, four points. It's like, okay, you woke up a monster. You know what I mean? It happens in the NBA. You know, sometimes you come out with a lull, not saying that Rudy did, but sometimes, you know, that happens and then it's like, all right, you got my attention now. And now let's really, let's really play. And you saw what happened then. He's a great, he's a great, he's a good player, but you know, Rudy is the two time defensive player of the year for a reason. No questions asked. There's a reason behind that. There's George Niang. He was four of five from three coming in off the bench, 12 points, couple of rebounds, steal, and always an entertaining uh, post game interview. Let's wrap up the player sound with the man himself. Let's hear from Joe Ingles. First up, we'll have Matt Cole's AP. I already know what the first question will be, and I ain't answering it. Oh, really? Are you sure? I know one, I know there's going to be one question <laughs> that was already asked, and I'm just letting you all know now. Don't bother asking it because I ain't answering it. What was the key? Continue, Matthew. Okay. What was the key to the second half comeback? I mean, it was the fourth quarter. Um, Actually, you were down one with six minutes left. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously, they – we, we knew coming in, obviously, how quick they play, how it makes and misses. They, they push the ball. And obviously, Fox is maybe the quickest, if not one of the top few at pushing the ball. Um, I think we got caught a few times with him pushing it. They they got some threes or, or got in the lane. And um, I think as the game went on, we got better and better and more comfortable offensively with the switching defense. I think we kind of figured some things out tonight that we probably haven't um, – I think we played better against the switching defense tonight than we have um, in a few other games this year. Um, made some shots, guys shot with confidence. We got in the paint. Guys had eyes out. We were able to obviously making shots helps. Um, but yeah, we were, we were able to make some some the, the play that stands out to me a little bit is that like Rudy getting his hand on that pocket pass and and you know, so we we're making plays like that towards the end, which we weren't in the first half. So. Um, yeah, good good second half. I think we I think coach said we held them to twenty three and twenty two or twenty four or something in the last quarter. So it's it's obviously a, a good defensive effort. Eric Walden, Slide Chibian. So Joe, we were told that uh the Kings said something to you to get you fired up. No comment. 
That's the one that you didn't want to answer. Well done. All right. Thank you, you get the you get the golden ticket. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. So, Joe, why does trash talking help you and get you going? Because a lot of guys, honestly, see, well, I'll see, see what you're do doing it. there. I see what you're doing there. there. Um, it's actually funny. Like, I mean, obviously, I I've said it before. Like, I never go into a game thinking of talking to anyone. I obviously get in probably more conversations with people than anyone else uh, on our team. But I mean, it's happened a few times. There was one in Detroit, I remember, and then Donovan heard it and it kind of fired Donovan up too, and he went for like six hundred. Um, there, there's been different times. There was a there was one here where I blew a kiss at the the kid who's. I think that was against Detroit too, actually. Um, where Blake was coming up, like just just little things. Um, I honestly like deep down inside, I think it's really funny. Like I really, it's it's more of a kind of funny comedy thing to me, but. Um, yeah, obviously it, it, uh, it lights something up in me that, um, yeah, it's makes the game fun. Um, I don't really know how else to answer it, to be honest. Sorry. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. So Corner was kind of talking about how you guys were stagnant a little bit with the ball movement against them switching one through five. And then you come into the game and kind of change that a little bit. How do you change that and kind of get the blender going again? Um, well, when you can't really blow by anyone one-on-one, there's no point in me holding the ball for too long. So um, <clears throat> Quinn nicely a couple of years ago um, had a conversation with me about getting the switch and then kind of driving at that next guy kind of inside the three-point line a little bit and like pitching it back or or trying to get down the lane, but but obviously making a play. Um, I mean, it's just kind of – I think I did it a few times early on when we first talked about it and it, like Mike or whoever it was was like getting a shot from behind or Donovan. I was about to pitch it and they were able to break the paint again and um, it's just always stuck with me. I think it's I think it's a good thing for me to do. I don't want to – ISO and go between the legs six times and shoot a step back. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing for me. And um, I try to, I think in the start, we, we said it in the first time out that we're almost leaving Donovan and Mike out to dry a little bit in that first few minutes with just like ISO on and kind of standing and watching them. Um, obviously they're good enough to do that if we need them to do it. But um, uh, I think at the, especially early on, we want to be able to break the paint, get the ball moving Um and then that obviously ends up in us getting shots and um, kind of Rudy on the rim if he's flat or, or kicking it out for a three. So, um, yeah, I just try to kind of, I guess, get that going. As soon as I got in, I saw they were a bit stagnant and I think we started the game like 0 for 7 or something. Like we didn't make a shot early except Rudy's free throw. So, try to get the ball moving. We were able to do it. And then, like I said, we, we um, played well kind of <laughs> – not just from that point, but more in the second half against that switching defense. I think we found some things that we can use going forward that we've haven't haven't in the past um, that have made us a bit more stagnant than we were tonight. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Joe, it looked like you were there with Don at the end when Fox was kind of jawing at the ref. Uh, I guess I guess this is on the other end of the spectrum from trash talking after the game is over, stepping in to keep him from saying something that he might regret. What what goes into that kind of a decision? Um, I just went to tell him good games. Uh, to be honest with you, and I, I saw or heard Donovan saying, um, like, just kind of leave it or whatever. What, like, obviously, there's 
from my point of view, like nothing's changing post game. Um, if there was something, we'll get the two minute report or someone gets, I don't know who gets the two minute report. Someone gets a two minute report. Do we get it? Derek will get our two minute report. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's obviously, uh, I think that's kind of when I only heard a, a second of it, but just, yeah, just more like, what are you going to do really there? If you're frustrated at a call or a miss, miss call or a play or whatever it is, is, um, there's lit- like literally nothing at that time. <laughs> like at least at halftime you can get teed up and we can get a free throw or something. But at that point, there's literally nothing that can happen except, um, probably get fined if you use too bad a language. So, um, yeah, I mean he's a he's a hell of a player. I I really like his game, but yeah, was, I think there was no point in him doing that at the end there because obviously the game, regardless win or loss, is is over. Last question, Maxime Lagorgis, the free agent out of France. Uh, hi, uh, I'm not talking about Rudy. No, okay, not problem. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna. How do you explain your difficulties to defend the three point nine in first half? Our defense on the three-point line? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the key guy, obviously, that shoots threes with them is is Buddy, and and I think he's still got a few off tonight. Um, he, I think they said pre he leads the league in three-point attempts in transition, which is hard to do because <laughs> most teams are pretty good at getting back in transition. So it's a, a tough thing to do. And obviously he leads that. So it's something we try to focus on and kind of getting back. And obviously you've got to contain Fox coming downhill and then you've got to make sure you get out to, to buddy if he's, he's kicking it out to him. So um, yeah, I think we did a, a good job. I don't know how many, I think he shot like 13. I don't know how many made, but I think we did a good job of making them tough on every shot that we, that, that they took, they, they got a few open ones, but I think for the majority of the game, we were, we were pretty good at either running them off the line or contesting them and, and making it a tougher shot than, than what it has to be. Joe Ingles, six of 11 from the field, 20 points, five of 10 from three had six assists and three rebounds and did not want to get into who said what to get everybody so fired up. But nonetheless, Joe was just a terrific game. And now the Jazz have won 24 consecutive games at home. They beat the Kings 128 to 112. Up next, the Jazz take on the Wizards of Vivint Arena tonight. That game will tip off at seven. Pre-game begins at six. There's the best of the postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next.